Anyway, it's good to see all of you today. Today, Janice and I get to, uh, we get to talk about wisdom and work. And um, we have, uh, we have some, some fun things we want to share with you this morning. We do hope that uh, as you walk out of here, that you walk out with, uh, with honestly, with just a, a new fascination with God. We, 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 Janice and I find God very fascinating. And um, we've, we've served him uh, separately and together for uh, a few years. And, <laughs> and God has always been there. He's always been faithful. And so one of the things that we want to do today is we're going to pretend like we're not here in church. We're more like in Starbucks today, okay? We're just sitting around talking and... Um, we want to tell you some stories, the way that God has helped us and bring in the Word of God so it doesn't sound like it's just all experience-based. But what does the Bible say about these things? And um, we hope that when you walk out of here today that uh, there is a, something that takes place in your heart, your mind, and just, just read way, way down deep in your gut that, that God really, really does care about about your situation. So, uh, good to see all of you today. We're excited about getting to speak today. And Pastor Josh, well, he is there is on this thing. We, he asked us to talk about the um, about wisdom from work and uh, um, in work. And he he took he chose this bulletin cover. Josh did, and uh, the the irony of it is, I mean, he did it for a reason. He did it for me personally, because my dad was a welder, and. Um, We'll tell some stories about our dads here in a couple of minutes, but uh, we, we do know that uh, there was a wisdom in work that our dads passed on to us, and so we're going to talk about wisdom that we learned from our dads, and um, uh, this coming in two weeks uh, from, I think it's yesterday, uh, Janice and I will have been married 47 years. And, uh, That alone is proof that there is a God for her to be able to put up with me for 47 years. But we've, um, we, we, just very honestly, we have learned how to be married. We have learned how to, to work together. Janice and I love work. We really do, because our dads told us that we did. Uh, <laughs> And um, uh, it's just something about it. We see a godliness in work. We know that God created us all. He, he started working. And he invited us into his kingdom to be workers in his kingdom. And so we want to share some, some stuff with you today. Um, and so I've asked Janice to start it off with the scripture. Every year we ask, we pray like the end of the year, and we ask God to give us a scripture for the year. And it, a lot of times it's like a prophecy. It tells us what our year is going to be like. And this year was Psalms 90:17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That scripture alone is a, you know, it's a partnership that God invites us into. That if we use our hands, old, good old physical labor and work, that 
he's going to be working with us and partnering with us to establish the work of our hands. Last year's scripture was, was Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich or, or wealth, and he adds no sorrow with it. So there is a blessing. There is a secret. There's, there's just a real secret we would like to share with you that we found in life, and that's the secret of hard work, of enjoying work and realizing it's from God, that there's great reward. There's just great emotional reward. Work can be very, very rewarding. Um, we both grew up with fathers that lived through the Depression, and they modeled to us what hard work meant. And they were both God-fearing men. And my dad was right up here. He wanted all of his kids to know him and love him, to know the Lord and love the Lord. Right under that was work. There was no room in his life or his thought for any of his kids to grow up lazy. That was like the worst thing that could ever happen. And so our devotions in the morning before we went to school was all the scriptures about the sluggard, the lazy guy, <laughs> working. And we would sit there barely, I mean, these were early morning devotions going, oh, no, not again. <laughs> and he kind of preached as he, as he did the devotions. But my dad was a very hardworking man, and I, we both appreciate hardworking men and women. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're working, whether you're digging ditches or you're on a computer, if you're committed to work, I, I honor that. I mean, I, that is an amazing thing when people tap into the secret of work. My dad, when he was six years old, he, um, oh, here's his scripture. As the sluggard says, oh, this is what we heard at least once a week. <laughs> As the sluggard, the sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. And I can just hear him say, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming in the streets. As the door turns on his hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. My dad loved to say, he's so lazy he won't even feed himself. <laughs> that came from a person that had to work really, really hard. As a kid, uh, eight children on a sharecropper's farm in Oklahoma, right during the Dust Bowl, early, early in the morning before the sun came up, late, late at night, six years old, and this is a, a family story. They stuck him on a horse, a little pony, to herd uh, cattle at six o'clock in the morning, and he fell off and broke his arm. So that's one of the family stories. Another one, it's just like you, you know, you back off from work and there was serious consequences to it. But my dad, when he was 17 years old, his father, James, my granddad, promised the boys, he promised my dad, all right, you bring this crop in. At the end of this harvest season, you're going to get a new pair of boots and you'll get a 22 plus a little money. They worked hard all of that season. I mean, they worked, they slaved in the fields. I mean, it's back-breaking work. Back-breaking work. 
They worked hard. It was hot. And at the end of the day, after my granddad paid all of his workers, got everybody paid, and he came to my daddy, then there was nothing left. And, and my dad, he was hurt. He was frustrated. He saw that farm going nowhere, and he said, he said, I'm leaving. I'm going to California. And my granddad said, you'll be back before sundown, John. And my dad hopped a freight train and, and took a freight train to Fullerton. He didn't see his family. He didn't come back for two and a half years. 17 years old. But he discovered the value of even independent work. He went to work picking oranges in Fullerton and then packing them. And then later on, he moved up a little bit. He got a job at the Chevrolet Garage in Fullerton. And then he went to Life Bible College while he was working at the Chevrolet Garage and eventually became a minister. But he never lost that work ethic. He was the hardest working man. <laughs> he was such an incredible motor he had inside of him, such a huge drive. Every church he ever pastored, he painted the whole church himself, outside and in. Not very well, but... Yeah, no, he was pretty good. And he supplemented his, his income. And as a, as a pastor, he supplemented his income by painting, by doing other things. I know that one of the reasons Larry and I, we started, when we started in ministry, from the very beginning, we started fixing up houses and we did that because I saw my mom and dad do that. Very, I mean, very poor. Four kids, you got to support four kids. In the ministry in those days, I mean, there was just nothing. So what they did was they would go into the nicest neighborhood they could afford. They would buy the most rundown house they could find in that neighborhood. They would fix it up. We never lived in the house more than two and a half years my whole life. And then they would sell it. And that happened over and over and over again. And that's how they supported their family. So we learned how to do a lot of what we do today by watching my mom and dad work hard. You know, to, to hang out with Jesus, uh, you hung out with a bunch of, of workers, people that knew how to work hard. They were... And we, we, we say that Jesus was a carpenter, which, uh, yes, he was. It's probably better interpreted as a as builder, um, probably more of a stonemason than, than, uh, than working with wood, because if you know, see Israel, <laughs> there's three trees in the whole country. Um, and, but, he, but he was just, he was just a, a hard worker. The, um, the, I mean, and he was, he didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old, so he was used to hard work. When you shook his hand, it was like shaking hands with a, uh, you know, with a, with a, with, with that, that rough sandpaper. You know, you've done, you've all done that. You, you shake hands with somebody, you go, whoa, <laughs> you know, he's a working man, he's a working man. And, um. The, 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 most of the, the 12, they were, they were fishermen. They, uh, they stunk like fish. They, I'm sure their hands were, they were callous from pulling in nets, uh, from rowing a boat. 
Um, yeah, there were others. They were, there was tax collectors, but they were working people. They were used to, to the calloused hands, to the sore muscles, to the aching back. And um, it's, that's who Jesus chose to, to deliver the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Janice and I have a, a favorite motivational speaker, and I want to I show you part of, of one of our favorite motivational speakers today. Um, it is, uh, we've learned a lot from this guy. He speaks to our heart. He, 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 he has a phrase that means a lot to us. And so I'm going to ask you to, to go ahead and take a couple, just a few seconds of this great motivational speaker. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. <laughs> That's, I, can you imagine being that guy playing opposite of Will Ferrell there? I could not keep a straight face if it... <laughs> I mean, I think he's probably got to be the best actor on the face of the earth to be able to do that. But, um, I mean, we have, we have this, this phrase around our house. I mean, we get tired. I mean, make work your new favorite. Oh, shut up, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's just our little phrase of make work your new favorite. Make work your new favorite. Um, and uh, something that we've, we've said to our kids, and they, they, they appreciated it too. Um, but... Uh, it was just, you know, make work. We have another, another one of our favorites around our house, and it's called, we say, it's a job. It's a J-O-B. It's a J-O-B. You know, you see, sometimes, you know, we think that work is, we have to work today because of the curse, because Adam and Eve fell in the garden, and when God was correcting them, he said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to be able to, 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 to make your bread and, but the problem is, is, you know, that part is true, but, but God's the first one that started off working. Work is not a curse. Work is not, it's not a part of the fall. If it was, if work was evil, God would not have done it. We serve a holy God who says, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start working. And, and by the way, there's a certain amount of time that I'm going to rest did God need to rest? He didn't need to rest, but he was modeling to us, saying, and I want you to rest too. I want you to work, and I want you to work hard. I want you to really, when you work, when, I want you to do a, a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. And but when it's time to rest, I want you to rest as, as, as hard as you work. And so we understand the value of work. And then as we're sitting here in Starbucks today and having some coffee, I want to... Um, to stir your hearts about incredible opportunities that you have to, to do something that, very honestly, that our, our dads taught us, and that was, number one, the, uh, a very strong work ethic of having a very strong Judeo-Christian work ethic, as well as a God-honoring uh, money attitude. An attitude towards finances and towards money that is, that is God-honoring. When both of our parents came to California, 
they knew that they had in front of them opportunities that they didn't have any place else on the face of the earth and they, 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 they took advantage of it. Every once in a while you'll, you'll see stories about a, a person that comes from a, a third world country or foreign country and they come to America and they go, okay, do you guys know what you have here? Do you really know? And people who are willing to come in and I've seen it and you've seen it of some guy that's got a beat up old pickup and he's driving around at, late at night behind the alleys picking up cardboard. A little later on, somebody says, oh, by the way, did you, you know that guy that used to drive through here? Well, uh, he now owns this huge recycling plant over here, and uh, he's a multimillionaire now, and he's, you know, I'm not saying that the goal in life is, is to become filthy rich, but what I am saying is that there is an absolute law of God that if you sow, you will reap. And if you sow sparingly, guess what? But if you sow abundantly, guess what? And so our, our parents took, took up this dream. They, they came to, to, to California. Um, and they, they made something happen. After World War II, my, my dad, my mom had lived in California before. And they came out as a part of the Dust Bowl. For those of you that... If I, do, do they still make people read The Grapes of Wrath in high school? Do they? I don't know if they do or not. Anyway, that, I mean, that was... Those people, and even the labor camp, that is the labor camp that Genesis' dad was pastoring in. And so those, those people, we, we know them well. I mean, we know all those people very well. I, maybe not the exact names of the, the, those people, but that culture of people, we know them well. I used to have to go and visit them, and I hated it. I, used to, I hated going to the labor camps and, and visiting my mom and dad's old friends back from the old country, Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> I didn't like it because those people, the ones there, the ones that were still there, they didn't have any motivation. They were satisfied of just kind of getting there and just having enough to make it. Had enough to, you know, to maybe feed the family a little bit, to live in a rundown shack, and, um, and honestly, just enough to, to buy enough liquor to ease some of the pain of life. My dad would, would, became an alcoholic. He, he broke away from that. He got tired of it and said, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's something else I can do. And so he, he got a job in the oil fields and he just, you know, just as, as a roughnecking in the oil fields, which is a hard, hard, hard job. And um, eventually he started, and he kind of realized, wait, this company needs a welder. And so if I... Um, if I go to school and become a welder, will you guys hire me as, as your welder? Sure. And so my dad saw an opportunity and he seized it. And he would throw his family in the car uh, every, every, I don't know how long, it, it felt like it was 17 years. But um, every night he would throw all of us in the car and we would drive from the oil fields where we lived out in the, out in the middle of where God doesn't even know where it is, um, you know, in, you know into, into, into beautiful downtown Bakersfield. Uh, my dad was going to night school and taking welding classes, and we would sit in the car for the whole time, and uh, then he would come out, and eventually he got that job, and he, 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 and he got, a, got a promotion in his job, a few cents more. But he saw an opportunity, and he wasn't afraid to work hard. He wasn't afraid to roll up his sleeves and make something happen and invest to, to make something happen. And, and he did. He made a lot happen. 
he grew to the place to where he, one of his jobs, he, he um, met a young couple, and their name was Bert and Loretta Pittner. At this time, my dad was about 28 years old. He was, uh, he was an alcoholic every night. He was getting just drunk as a skunk every night, and my mom and dad would be fighting the whole time, and it was just, it was crazy. And he met Bert and Loretta Pittner, and they said, you know, Henry, you, I mean, I'm going to rephrase that. His name was not Henry. His name was Cap. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know my dad's first name for a long time, but uh, but he was he was just Cap, and uh, you know, Cap, you need to you need to come to church with us. There's some good stuff going on. And Bert and Leonard Pittner were going to a church, and there was a revival taking place, and people were just getting saved all over the place. Young couples, young families, and they were God was radically changing their lives. And my mom and dad went there, and. Uh, and my dad had a, I mean, very honestly, a radical experience with God that was equal to the hard lifestyle that he was living. I mean, my dad had a radical conversion. I mean, I thought God had killed my dad. I really did. I thought, I mean, you know, well, <laughs> it's over with, you know. But, but, but he, had, he had lived such a hard, hard life that his conversion could not be just a thought in his mind of, well, God is good, and the gospel makes sense. I mean, it was, it was really, really just in your face, uh, God taking my dad and taking him down to, and, and my dad radically changed, radically changed, never, never drank again from an angry, bitter, jealous person. Um, he, he turned into a, a very strong man of God who was teaching us the value of, of work and the value of God-honoring attitude towards our finances. And so when we are, when we are talking about, about making it in, in, in life and, and making it through some of the difficult situations, we're talking from what we have seen and observed. We, we've seen these things. As God has called um, Janice and I into, into the ministry, and you know, before I met Janice, God had called me into the ministry, and I knew that it was something I was supposed to give my entire life to Him. It wasn't something I was going to do for a while. And I, yes, I taught school in public schools for a short time because it was just a part of my part of my pathway to to get into full time ministry. And so, this morning, as we are looking at what God is saying about working and about the value of, of hard work and the wisdom of hard work and the wisdom towards the finances that it creates as we work hard. Uh, Janice and I talk to you from, from a lot of experience, as I was saying, uh, 47 years of, of experience of seeing God work and of God being faithful to choices that we have made. There's a term in the, old, in the New Testament that you see, uh, that you, you hear about, and it, it, we, we've developed over a time period, but it's called tent making. And sometimes in the ministry, you have to have a side job to put food on the table. Janice's dad did it. Could he have depended on the ministry just to, to, to meet the family's needs? He could have. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. Just, just, uh, this is not practiced in this church, but I'm just going to tell you something. The Bible says in the New Testament that the workman, that, that the pastor of a church is worthy of double honor. That comes across as worthy of whatever the normal pay system is that a pastor is worthy of double that. 
Now, that doesn't happen in our church. I want you to know that. For, um, we get triple. Um, no. We believe in this church, and we want to be a blessing to the church. But Janice and I have always had some kind of a tent making in tough seasons of our life. I have... I have um, when the church was in some difficult spots financially, I have substitute taught. I uh, had a stint in my life where I uh, restored Jaguars. I mean, I got it's not much much work. It was fun. Man, was that fun! I had people bring in their XKEs to me and say, "Hey, fix this. Make it look good for me." And I, that was that was a kick in the head. But um, but uh, you know, other things were Janice's. You know, we've done trips to the East Coast and loaded down trucks of antiques, bring them home, refinish them, take them over to uh, to uh, the east, to the west side, and to Santa Monica, Beverly Hills area. Back when oak was really cool, now it's not cool anymore. Um, but uh, and refinish them, and just just to make money to to to, to keep the church going. Um, we, we've just we've just always worked and we've enjoyed work we we like work we like the labor side of it it's something that is rewarding to us we we feel i this is going to sound really really awkward to some of you but we feel close to god when we work hard there is something godly about hard work whether it is whether it is welding or making an advert, making a commercial, like uh, Pauline and Terry. Uh, if you ever, next time you fly on United Airlines in July, when is it? In August, when you when you fly on United Airlines, you're going to be instructed by Terry to fasten your seatbelt. Uh, <laughs> if it's teaching school, if it's if it's writing books, if it's Flying to New Zealand to talk to doctors about podiatry, you know. Work is it's a good thing. Because our Heavenly Father works. Jesus worked on the cross. There's something godly about work. And I'm not saying that work is God. What I am saying is that God created us. He gave us hands, He gave us fingers. He didn't create a blob that couldn't just sit there and thought. He gave us the ability to move around and to, and to do things and to create things. Many of you are artists and you know the incredible thrill of, of creating something. It may be directing a, a drama group of kids. It may be writing a book. It may be uh, building a building. But you, back, you step off and you look back at it, what you've done and you go, you're able to you're able to pick up that attitude of God. God saw it and said, it's good. There's something good about hard work. And so this morning, as we were sitting in Starbucks, and I'm, and I'm not letting you talk. I'm too busy talking. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying that in our tent made, making, there's been times that Janice and I, we've had to trust God and say, God, you've called us to ministry. What do you want us to do? And again, I'm going to share some things that we only share at Starbucks. We don't talk about them other places. But uh, 
you know, there's a couple of times in the history of the church that it just got so bleak financially with God. We're just not going to make it, God. We're going to, you know, God's called us to Claremont. I want you to know that. We have a call to Claremont when we, it was very definite to, to, to Janice and to myself. We, we knew that this is where God wanted us. I want you there. And, and as God opened the doors to, to get us here, you know, it was just, you know, wow. And so we, we, we don't have to think twice about some of the sacrifices that we've paid to keep the church doors open. One season in the church when it was just, oh, man, one of the hardest times that we, we, we've ever faced in our lives. And it was just some, some loss of some friends that we thought were friends. And, you know, it's just some hurts and confusion and realizing the church is in a hard place financially. And God has blessed us with an incredible home. He really has. And I'm going to be honest with you. We, we got an incredible home because we worked hard for it. We worked really, really, really hard for it. We paid prices that people laughed at us for paying the prices for it. We lived in a house without electricity or water for, for six months um, because we saw a dream. We knew, hey, if, if we work hard, we can get our dream home. We, we, we believed our dads in this American dream thing, you know? And if we work really hard, we can get this house that we, we love. It, it's a reflection of our create. Yeah, let's do this crazy thing. Janice is just crazy enough to go along with me on it. And I'm crazy enough to go along with her on it. You know, so we just kind of... And so here we are. We have this house, and God, the church is in a rough place. And so I just, just, okay, as we're sitting in Starbucks together, I'm going to tell you a couple of personal things. But it's okay, well, God, he called us into Claremont. And so God... We're going to lose everything here if we don't do something. And so we refinanced our house, and we took the $60,000 out of it and gave it to the church to keep the church going because we are called. And our house, we've always said that our house, it's just a donkey that Jesus rides. Everything that we have, it's, it's just a donkey. And when the Lord has need of it, and when he sends a messenger that says, the Lord has need of, of this donkey, you give him your donkey. You don't argue with what's the only donkey I've got. Are you going to bring it back? <laughs> but what we've learned is that God, as a matter of fact, when you sow, that he, he, he gives back to you. It's his law, the law of the harvest, that when you sow abundantly, you're going to reap abundantly. And as Janice and I have just through our life, and some of the things, are, they're, they're too personal for me to share with you this morning, but I, I just want you to know that, that God has honored the, the gifts that, we, and that we, have, we have said, okay, God, here, God, it's all yours anyway. We don't care, God. It's all yours. It's all yours. And as we've seen God step in and, 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 and give back and give back and give back, we don't sit here and talk to you out of some type of a theory or rhetoric in the Bible that's a good thing for preachers to talk about to try and get people to, to, to buy to the vision of the church and to invest their money in it. We do it because we've done it. We, we talk with you this way because we were able to stay married for 47 years because... God is, is the leader of, of our marriage. He's the one that, that that's, our, our kids are, are serving God because 
we, we gave them to God, and we said, God, they're yours. Our kids see us every morning sitting in the living room, you know, reading and praying together. We've always done that. And you see, it's something that when you sow these seeds, they, they are going to come up. And when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, I want you to work. And maybe there was later on a sweat of the brow, but he's still saying to all of us, I want you to work. I want you to work to advance the kingdom of God. I want you to keep the mark of God on, on your work ethics. And I want you to keep the mark of God on your finances and what that develops. Because if you work, you're going to make money. I make no bones about this. I am not a socialist. I am a capitalist. I do not apologize for it. I am highly involved in social concerns. I will go to the mat with anybody that, 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 will, that questions my, my commitment to feeding the poor. Um, no, I'm not going to say. I, I was going to say I can probably match anybody dollar for dollar what they've done to give to feed the poor, but I'm not going to say that. Um, but what I, what I do want you to, to understand is that God wants to, to work deep, deep inside of an attitude of not where we have, well, this is God stuff over here and, and then this is real life over here. But God is saying, I, I, I've, I've saved, I've redeemed everything about you. There is nothing that I have not redeemed. And, and, I, and I want you to know that there's been numbers of times that we've used our house as a donkey for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was starting the church. I mean, this, you know, you would think if you've lived, I mean, Janice and I, we, we, are, we are freaks in California. We have lived in the same house for 35 years. Um, it was in different pieces all over Southern California when we first started, but... Uh, but, but you would think after 35 years, your house would be paid for, wouldn't you? No, not ours, because it's a donkey. <laughs> it's a donkey, and that house is probably going to go to heaven, I would think. But um, uh, the, the house has been used to, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to invest in lives, to save lives. I, I, I don't know what would have happened if, down through the years if we hadn't have done those things. I don't know. I just know that we feel good about it. I just know that we're not afraid to enjoy our house and to say, man, ain't, ain't this just a great place to get to live? Isn't this fantastic to get to live here? You know, and, and to enjoy what we have and, and, and to, to have fun in, in this house. Why? Because it's got the mark of God on it. And so, the, the wrong attitudes that we can have towards, towards finances or towards work. Um, number one is entitlement. We live, in a, we live in a world that entitlement is, is our, our culture feels entitled. You need to go out and get a job so I can eat. You, you know, everybody else needs to, to work hard so that I can, I can live as well as, 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 as everybody else. You know, th there's, there's something that's important about understanding the word entitlement. The, new, the Old Testament definition of it is sluggard. <laughs> it's sluggard. It is, it is that entitlement. Well, you know, everybody, I, I should have all of these things. 
And the sluggard is that one that Janice read about that we both heard about all, all of our younger lives growing up. That sluggard that, you know, I don't have to, I can't go out and get a job. There's a line in the street. I, I can't do that. And in, in Proverbs in chapter uh, 6, verse 6 or 11, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. I, I love that word. Um, Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander. How many of you are getting bombarded with ants right now? Is it just us? Uh, I, I, wish, I wish God would kill the ants in his house. Um, okay, it has no commander, no overseer, ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food for the harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Uh, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Goes on in verse chapter twenty, verse four, to say the sluggard does not plow in season. So at harvest time, he looks but finds nothing. And so there is this 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 thing of of we live in a culture that has this entitlement, this sluggard mentality of of everybody owes me something. Moms and dads, your kids live in a society where everyone feels entitled. As Christian parents, we need to teach our kids to avoid sluggards. We need to teach our kids to, to be hard workers. It's something that, that you know, Janice and I, we, we, we've tried to teach our kids that because we had to go through it, so we're going to make sure our kids do too. And um, I know that, um, that we, we've seen it happen. There's been times that um, I was... Uh, in. in as, as our daughter grew, I mean, our, I, with our son also, people wanted to hire him because he was a, a hard worker. He had a work ethic that was very, uh, very committed to, to the job. He wasn't, well, hey, I'm off work now. It's no, let's stay into the work till the job is complete. You know, oh, I'm off the clock. No, it's the job's not done. It's the, the job is what is important, not the clock. And, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, that, um, with our daughter, uh, after she got past one of her first jobs, <laughs> it's a little private thing here, uh, <laughs> but she, uh, uh, after a while, she began to really learn the work ethic, and uh, her, one of her boss, local bosses here, you know, one time I was talking with him, and, and he said, your, your daughter, she's, she's not like other workers that I have the same age group. He said, you know, he said, when... We, we can't find her. Well, she's, she's standing on top of a chair dusting places that, that people can't see. She's scrubbing things down that, that uh, we haven't told her to do it. She just automatically steps up and, and finds work that has to be done and, and just does it. Uh, a while back, I was at the Space Needle where she was working, and, uh, and the manager of the Space Needle came out and he said, I just want you to know that your daughter has a work ethic that we, we don't see in anybody else her age group. Uh, how, what, what, what happened? What'd you do? You know, and, you know, it's something moms and dads, we need to teach our kids the value of work and the reward of work. Now, I'm not saying, Janice and I are not saying because our moms and dads are doing that to us that we enjoyed working when we were younger. We whined and cried as much as everybody else. But when it came time for us to, to grow up and to handle our own thing, 
we, we had that work ethic inside of us that was so important for us to, to move ahead. Another wrong attitude towards work is that desire to get rich. You should expect a good day's pay for a good day's work. Uh, the, the idea of the get rich quick thing, um, you, don't need to, uh, you don't need to work hard, you just need a little luck. I just want you to know something, folks. You're not going to win the lottery. But if you do, don't forget your church, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, but it's something that the idea, we, we live in this, this get-rich-quick mentality. And yes, it does happen from time to time. We, we, we see it happen. We hear horror stories of people that got rich quick. We also see people that knew how to handle it and knew how to, to manage it. But there's a passage in Proverbs in chapter 13, verse 11, that says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Now, the, the next point, next problem with, with attitude, wrong attitude towards money, is, is the money issue of greed. Uh, there's a program that I'm sure you've seen on television, American Greed. It's about people that are there to swindle people. How many of you have ever been swindled? I have been. I have been swindled. Um... I had people say, if you do this, then you're going to get this back. And they, they lied to me. Um, it was something that a, a very godly woman said, here's a, here's a possibility. And I bet you if we do this, that we can, we, can make, we can do well. And boy, it fell apart. And it was because, very honestly, I wanted to believe what they were telling me. I really wanted to believe it. You know, and a fool and his money is soon parted, and I was parted from my money because it, it didn't follow certain guidelines and principles. You know, the question was, well, why wouldn't God bless us this way? We will be good stewards of what God has given. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we will, we will. But no, we, we, were, we were wrong. We were wrong, and, and we lost. Now, I want to talk to you about some, there's some other points we, we can deal with, but I want to talk with, with the idea about the right attitude towards job, and that's turning what, what could be a curse back into a blessing. The work does not need to be a curse. It does not need to be a pain. It doesn't mean it's always going to be pleasant. It might just be a J-O-B. There might be sometimes when you have to make work your new favorite. Um, but uh, we, when we work with a godly attitude, we can rest assured that God is going to use that work as a channel of blessing for us. In Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible says, and my God will meet, or my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so when we need a job, God will supply us with that job according to his riches. Well, I'm looking for a job. Keep looking, keep looking, keep praying, keep praying. Uh, Janice and I have had situations uh, where we, we knew that God was leading us in something. And Janice's, uh, her, her, her phrase was, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And at the right time when we knew God was saying now, it was boom, Go. And we are on the tail end of one of God's greatest blessings right now. Because why? Because we were waiting for it. We could have got anxious and not trusted God, but we have seen God's blessings in so many ways. And so God will, God will make provision for us. 
according to his riches and glory. In Proverbs, in chapter 12, verse 11, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Another part of the blessings of God is prosperity. Yes, I said the word prosperity. Um, those who are willing to work God's way will increase their holdings. It's just a rule. It's a rule. It's a law of the harvest. In, in the book of John, the letter of, of 3 John, in verse 2, there's only one chapter, so it's verse 2. It says, Beloved, you ready for this? Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, prospering, it can be different things to, to, to different people. Um, for some, it's, 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 that, it's that, that prosperity can be that, that place of serenity on a, on a rocking chair on a porch, and that's, that's prosperity. For some, it may have a different picture. But God wants us to be in that place of prospering in Him, not prospering according to the world standards of what prosperity is, but prospering in His plans. God's law is if you plant, it will grow. If you don't plant one seed and one seed comes up, you plant one seed and multiple uh, items of fruit or vegetables will, will come up when we plant. And then the third thing is, is, is honor. The third attitude towards honor, that those who work diligently bring honor to themselves. We see the lazy person who is who is bringing dishonor to everybody and everything around them and, and who is not willing to work. And the Bible scoffs and makes fun of the lazy person of the sluggard and says, as Janice's dad says, they're so lazy they can't even feed themselves. There's a passage in Proverbs in, about being skilled, becoming the best worker that you can be in Proverbs in chapter 22, verse 29, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And so God receives honor when we reflect that, that character of God of rolling up our sleeves and making things happen. And see, if you want God, if you desire to have God's blessing on your work and your finances, You've got to follow God-honoring attitudes towards finances. God-honoring money management. It's not hard to find them, but sometimes it's hard to do it first. In Jeremiah in chapter... I'm going to ask the worship band to come up to the front. In Jeremiah in chapter 29, verse 11, it's a passage that is so important to us in our church. We've, I've read it a million times. But, but Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, just simply says that that, that God has a plan for our lives. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, here's that P word again, to prosper you and not to harm you. And plans to give you hope and a future. In Malachi in chapter 3, in, in verse 10, this God-honoring attitude thing comes up. It says, Bring the whole tithe not part of it, but bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord Almighty, 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it to store it. And there has been those times that we, we, we can see that happen. In Proverbs in chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, Larry, I, there are people out there that they're just, they, they don't return to God and they're, they're rich. Yeah, I know that. I'm not talking about being rich. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about peace with God that money can't buy. Only attitude can buy it. And that's why in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, the New Testament, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because Larry read some scriptures that said you need to bring the, the tithe into the household, but because it's in your heart because you've had that experience with a loving Savior. You've seen that Jesus did a work on the cross. You've seen that the Heavenly Father has sent the Holy Spirit to, to work, to draw us into His presence. And that has redeemed you and you've taken on that work ethic that fascinates you. So you're serving God. You've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. I'm given because I get to God. No, God does not need your money. But we need to learn that incredible place of giving to God. Of giving to God. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to the front. All these things I've talked about, about the joy of work and of labor and the wisdom in work and the wisdom and all that and the God on the side of it. You know what? None of it matters if you, do, if you haven't done the number one thing and that's making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You can give everything. You know, there are businessmen, ungodly businessmen that have understood the issue of tithing. So we don't quite understand it, but, we're, but we tithe. We give away. Uh, and and we, it all comes back. It all comes back. Because God's, God's laws, they, they, they're there. They happen. And you see, but what they don't have is they don't have Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. What really matters the most, they, they don't have. I want to give you the chance this morning to make Jesus Christ that leader of your life, that controller of your life. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, at the close of the service, come to the front. Let me introduce you to a Savior that could take an old alcoholic like Cap Kapchinski, put the love of Jesus inside of him, radically change a, a, a guy into a very sweet, gentle giant. This Jesus stuff really, really works. Father in heaven, I just pray your blessings on this offering and I pray favor for everyone here. And I bless this offering as we give you the glory in the name of Jesus. God, bless our work. May we treasure our jobs.
And blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you give back to the Lord this morning.